pray for every need in this place today. God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would move in power. We thank you for those that are joining us uh, through the internet. And I thank you, God, for the opportunity to worship with my church family today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Go ahead and be seated if you will. And I'm going to dismiss our kids to Children's Church uh, up to third grade. If you would like to worship together, uh, you can meet uh, Terry and Miss Jeannie there in the lobby. Let's give them a good hand for being in church, all right? Also, uh, I want to share a couple exciting things with you. This Wednesday, uh, all across the nation, is what's called See You at the Pole. And I want to encourage our teenagers, or perhaps our teachers, uh, to join a group at your school this, this Wednesday, um, whatever time your school starts, about a half hour before, uh, to just gather together, have a time of prayer, 7 o'clock uh, is what Case is telling me and uh, just gathering together to pray for your campus, your school, for our nation, and uh, we hope that you'll be part of that. Also, I want to thank you for your faithful giving. Most of you see there in the bulletin that we uh, doubled uh, our Ray Roberts, and I praise the Lord for that. Well, it even gets more exciting. Uh, Keith sent me a note that an additional $600 has come in online since we printed this. So let's praise God for his faithfulness and the opportunity. Uh, Half of that Ray Roberts State Mission offering goes directly to disaster relief. Uh, Kevin and Sue Shore were in the first service today. We've missed them for a little bit, and they snuck back to Kentucky with Samaritan's Purse and just returned. So we praise the Lord for their opportunity to serve together. I want you to take your Bible this morning and join me in the book of Amos chapter 4. Amos chapter 4. To our guest, we're in a series entitled The Lion Roars. And the lion is the Lord, and the roaring is the judgment of God on sin. And folks, you may feel like or you may think that the world is unraveling at record speed. Uh, I want to remind us today, everybody take a deep breath. Everybody on the count of three, take a deep breath. One, two, three. Now you can shoot your foul shot. Hey, listen to me. King Jesus is still on the throne. And let's quit burying our heads in our hands. And let's quit worrying about every single thing that we see on the headline news and be reminded that Jesus is on the throne. And he's the lion in whom we trust. Amen? And my prayer is today, if you don't know him, that you'll listen well I'll introduce him to you. I'll introduce him to you, and we're excited for what God is doing. Chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says, Hear this word. Now, it's not uncommon for Amos to want to get the attention of his people. Now, look at me. There's nothing more disheartening than preaching and feeling like you're doing me a favor by sitting here. Let me say that again. There's nothing more disheartening than me preaching and you sitting here as if you're somehow doing me a favor. I want to tell you something. There is a king of glory this morning who we worship. There's a king of glory who gives us his word to preach. What a privilege we have 
to preach the Bible. Amen? This is not a game. This is not halftime of a game for refreshment time. Uh, folks, I'm telling you, this is, the, this is it. God's called us for this unique moment to come together to hear from him. Recently, I told somebody, you may not uh, respect me, but you better respect the word of God because it's instruction for us. It's going to help us. God, listen, God didn't send Jesus to make your life miserable. He sent Jesus to give you hope. He came in the flesh to give us hope. And that's the promise that we have this morning. So he says, hear the word. It's the word of God. Thus saith the Lord. When I came in uh, this morning, Tracy Keller was sitting here. I said, Tracy, you're going to have to help me preach this passage this morning, especially the beginning of chapter 4, because a transition begins to take place. The shift of correction begins to move. And now Amos addresses a very interesting group. You ready? If you're ready, say amen. I'm not sure you're ready. Here we go. Hear the word, you cows of Bashan, who are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor. Who are these cows of Bashan? Who's he talking about? Who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to your husbands, oh, that shrinks it a little bit. Bring wine, let us drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness. Behold, the days shall come upon you when he will take you away with fish hooks and your posterity with fish hooks. You will go out through broken walls, each one straight ahead of her, and you will be cast into Harmon, says the Lord. Your translation, maybe King James, says something about a palace. Come to Bethel and transgress. At Gilgal, multiply transgression. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithe every three days. Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven. Proclaim and announce the freewill offerings. For this you love, you children of Israel, says the Lord God. Now I can just imagine the looks of these women as they hear the prophet speak. Uh, Bashan, east of the Sea of Galilee, it was known for its lush pasture and great livestock. One commentator said that uh, there might be a little reference here to the will of a cow. Uh, you know, growing up, my, uh, my mom's parents, as you all know, my papa Nevins was a farmer. He was a livestock farmer, a polled Hereford farmer. And once a year, normally, once a year, we went to vacation in, in South Carolina. I can't imagine that as a grandparent right now, thinking, seeing my grandkids once a year. But once a year, we'd go to South Carolina, and once a year, I would be a farmer. What do you mean? No greater life than to sit on the tailgate of a pickup, go down a winding uh, gravel road, and feed twice a day on vacation. After all, that's all farming is, Right? just driving down the lane, sitting on a pickup, not doing much during the day. I thought, you know what? When I get big, I think I might like to be a farmer. And all you farmers are saying, you've got to be kidding me, right? 
but I used to love to go down there. And here's what I was taught by my papaw, that sometimes cows have an independent spirit. They want to do their own thing. Now, if we're referred to as sheep in Scripture, we can be stubborn. Sheep can be stubborn, but sometimes cows can try to impose their will. Now, I wonder if the judgment that Amos is talking about, and as he addresses these women, he's simply looking at some strong will. He might be looking at some folks who are saying, hey, you talk a good game, but you sure not living it. You sure not living it. You remind me of these cows from a place that have lush pasture and they're fattened up, they're living a good life. Maybe the women are starting to point at each other and saying, is he, is he talking to us? Is he talking to us? Is he talking about the boldness that we somehow come across with? No, Amos was talking about a different kind of boldness that moved them to indifference and feeling nothing toward people that needed help. You might be here and you're a guest, a visitor today, and I want to tell you something about the church in which you sit. We've got a lot of work to do as a church. Amen, church? I've got a lot of growth that needs to take place in my life as your pastor. But thank God for the many years of a giving heart in the life of this church. You've met a bunch of needs in the history of this church, not out of have to, but desire to want to and get to. God has been so good to us. So when you look at this warning, hear this word, you cows of Bashan. It's a call. It's a summons. And this is the first thing I want you to write down this morning. Everything up to this point has not led to repentance. This is a summons. Now, if I tell you something, promise you will not turn my name into somebody. Do you promise? Okay, not, not many of you are promising anything here. In 29 years as your pastor, I have never served on a jury duty. I've had a, I've had a few invitations, but something fell through and did not get me all the way there. Renee has had multiple invitations to serve on the jury. Some of you are saying the same thing, that's you or that's me or that's all. You know what I found out? When you are invited to court, it is not a suggestion. It's not a suggestion. It's a mandate. It's a summons. You have to be there. So everything up to this point in the first three chapters of Amos has not led to repentance. I mean, after all, look at verse 2. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness. It's his holiness. Behold the days that are going to come upon you. And then they use this term about fish hooks. You know, if you're fishing with a hook, it's interesting how that little hook can, can do so much good by drawing in that fish. One commentator said, I don't know if fish hook's the best translation. Maybe meat hook. The way you would move around the carcass of a cow as it's prepared. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness. 
Look at verse 3. You will go out through broken walls, each one straight ahead of her, and will be cast into Armin, or as King James says, out of the palace. You have everything going for you. You, you cows of Bashan, you have fed well. You're doing good. But there's a problem. Hear the word of God. Now, verse 4 indicates two geographic places. Come to Bethel and transgress. At Gilgal, multiply transgression. I want you to take your Bible and I want you to go to the first book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 28. Do you know that Bethel was a place where Jacob had a vision of heaven? Do you know it's where Jacob dreamed according to verse 12, Genesis 28? Then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set on the earth and its top reached to heaven and there the angels of God were ascending and descending. And behold, the Lord stood above and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you your descendants. Verse 14. Also your descendants shall be the dust of the earth. You shall spread to the west and to the east, to the north and south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And the Bible says in verse 16 that Jacob awoke, listen to me, from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. Listen to me. And I didn't even know it. I believe that would be one of the saddest verses in Scripture. For God to be moving, and we somehow miss it. For the Holy Spirit to be convicting, and we don't even know it. The Bible says in verse 18, Jacob rose early in the morning, took the stone that he had put, on, put at his head, set up a pillar, and poured oil on top of it, and called the name of it Bethel. So it was a place of worship. It was a place of remembering. According to 1 Kings chapter 12, Bethel was also a place where false gods were made, images. You know, you can take the truth of what God wants to do and distort it with our own description or invention of what we want a God to be or what we want God to be in our own life. Listen to what 1 Kings 12 says, verse 28. The king asked advice, made two calves of gold, and said to the people, Is it too much for you to go up to Jerusalem? Here are the gods, O Israel, which you brought up from the land of Egypt. And he set one up at Bethel. At Bethel. Two calves of gold. You can take the truth of God's word and distort it. You can take the truth of the word of God and try to bend it around your life. Folks, a lot of times we get in trouble simply because we try to rationalize the sin in our own life. When in essence, why not just give it to him? Why not just give it to him? Well, Gilgal was also mentioned in this passage. These were places of worship. Gilgal was the place where the memorial was set up after the children of Israel crossed the Jordan. Do you remember what God told them? Bring back a stone from each tribe. And then in the generations, in the days ahead, when your kids ask you what do these stones mean, you can tell them that it was how God delivered them to the promised land. 
It's interesting when you think about what God does. Judgment in Amos has not led to repentance. I mean, what would God really have to do this morning to get your attention? I'm not talking about mine. I'm not talking about your neighbors. I'm talking about you. You might say, well, Brother Greg, he'd have to lay me flat on my back. Be very careful what you pray for. I guess, Brother Greg, he'd have to take away my great job that's made me a fat cow of Bashan. I don't have any needs we can spend on whatever we want to do, whatever we want to do, go wherever we want to go. I'm so grateful I'm at this point in life. Let me tell you something. God may decide to take that from you. You see, sometimes we make gold calves out of things that God wants to bless us with. And we turn them into our little gods, little G. What would God have to do to get your attention? For some of you, he's been calling you. He's been calling you to be saved. He's been calling you to come to him. And and, and you come to church and, and you seem to enjoy it. And you smile and you sing the songs and open the word of God. But you just continually walk away from the conviction. I'm telling you, that's a, that's, a, that's a miserable place. You'll say, why, Brother Greg? I've been there. There's nothing worse than not doing what God wants you to do. He won't let up. He will continue to pursue you. Why? Because his nature never changes. I love that. I love that. The good news is uh, they were doing some good things, but they were letting the good things become problems. I mean, after all, they look good on the outside. How do we know that? Look at verse 4. Well, you come to Bethel and transgress, and at Gilgal, you multiply transgression. Listen at this. You bring your sacrifices every morning. You tithe every three days. You offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven. You proclaim and announce the free will offerings. You know what free will means? Whatever you want to do. Over and above. For the glory of of God. He says, you're doing all of that, but you're missing something in your worship. And brothers and sisters, this morning, I believe we missed something in our worship, and we have been for a little while, and that's repentance. Confession and repentance are two different things. They both may move, for instance, confess. Greg, why are you not hungry? I ate a nutty bar just a little while ago. I agree with you. I agree. Confession is agreement. They take you down to the police station and want you to confess something. They want you to agree that you did it. Repentance is more than agreeing. Repentance is turning. My definition is sorry enough to quit. See, there's a lot of tears when it comes to confession, very few when it comes to repentance. Let me share with you what the Bible has to say about repentance. Luke chapter 3, verse 3. Not only John the Baptist, but Jesus preached a message of repentance. And he went into all of the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. The Bible says in Luke 3, verse 8, bear fruits worthy of repentance. May your life look like somebody who's been changed. Augustine wrote these words, before God can deliver us, we must undeceive ourselves. We've got to get honest. 
we've got to get truthful. In that same book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 13, woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago. Now, why, why do I read that? Go to chapter one, verse nine. Go to chapter one, verse nine, in Amos. Remember when judgment was being pronounced? Remember what we said in those first couple weeks, uh, three transgressions and for four to the top and overflowing with, with sin? Tyre is mentioned in verse nine. And Amos is saying, and, and the New Testament's reminding us, if the things that you've experienced would have happened to them, they would have repented a long time ago. God would have gotten their attention. Do you know the Bible says in Luke chapter 15, verse 10, likewise I say to you that there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. That's what takes place in heaven. And the Bible says in that same Luke 13, verse 3, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now, if we believe this is the word of God, do we? Amen? If we believe the Bible is the word of God, we believe that Luke 13, 3 is just as inspired as John 3, 16. There's something to say about repentance. And I'm telling you, folks, we come to services in and out, in and out, in and out. Sometimes we just go through the motions and we recognize that there's not been any form of repentance take place. I want to tell you the good news of the gospel is you don't have to leave the same way you came. I mean, Jesus is a, a, a he's not only the way maker, he, he can change you once and for all. He can change you once and for all. You say, well, Brother Greg, I'm a pretty good guy. I, I would like to put myself in your boat because I was raised in church. I was the church kid who was lost. Some of you would say, well, my story is awful, Brother Greg. I, I've tried everything. I, I, I've, I've sowed so many wild oats, and I finally came around to realizing Jesus was what I needed. Amen. But if that's not your testimony today, praise God for sparing you from that. But we still all have to be changed. We we're changed from the inside out. That's the good news of the gospel. What does it look like? Well, the psalmist writes, David writes in Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart that will not be despised. What does contrite mean? It means to have remorse caused by guilt. It means that you're genuinely sorry for your sin. Oh, God, I've hurt you. Oh, God, I've sinned against you. That's what David said. And a change takes place. Folks, I believe worship is affected in, in Amos' day and, and worship is affected today because of the lack of repentance. Number two, it's futile to practice religion when we're polluted with sin. Monday morning is our trash morning. So we, we, we take our dumpster out tonight before, at dark. And my neighbor, we have one neighbor right across, so we take our to the end of the lane, 
And I'm always amazed at what I see. Monday morning, I'll get up and get ready to come in, and first thing I'll do is I'll pull those trash cans down the lane back to the houses. And I don't know why, but for some reason, I always look into their trash can. You're saying, yeah, that's really great. That's right. It's the way Christians are. We're, we're, we're interested in everybody else's trash. And their trash can always looks new, clean. And then I look in ours. Only two of us. Empty nesters. Everything should be just as clean as all get out. That ain't the way it is for me and Renee. I look in that trash can and I see like Burger King cups smashed. Wax worms. You'll get that a little later. Okay? It never seems as clean. There always seems to be some residue. There always seems to be something left. Let me tell you something. Real repentance is giving it all to God and it gets clean. It gets clean. And, and nobody said that's easy, folks. Nobody said that's easy. Nobody said that's pleasant. But I'm telling you, uh, just in the past few weeks, I've had some physical tests done at, at 60, just uh, maintenance stuff. And by the grace of God, physically okay. But I'm telling you what God wants you to be is good on the inside. And some of you haven't been good on the inside in a long time because everybody else's trash is what you're interested in. And God, forgive me. Forgive me when I act that way. You see, it's futile to practice religion when there is pollution inside. And that's what Amos is talking about. He said, you're doing, you're doing everything. Man, look at how much you give. Look at, look at what you do. One French proverb said this, years of repentance are necessary in order to blot out a sin in the eyes of men. Years of repentance. But one tear suffices a loving God. What are you saying, Brother Greg? Well, when we blow the trust of someone, maybe, maybe you're here and, and you made a bad decision in your marriage and you've been paying for it ever since and you're trying, you're doing the best you can it takes time. Hang in there. But with God, when you come to him and ask, you, ask him to forgive you and turn from your sin, I'm telling you, the next breath, you're as clean as you ever were. Why? Because of the cross. I love that, because of the cross. Now, on the outside, things seem to be going pretty well. When you look at chapter 4, 5, 6, and eight, you see some things that indicate that, that it's going well. But when you look at chapter four in Amos, look at verse four, bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithe every three days, sacrifice Thanksgiving with leaven, proclaim and announce the free will offerings. I'm telling you, listen, on the outside, things are going well. And number three, when you're desperate, it can lead to you doing a bunch of things. Desperation leads to a flurry of doing. And what God wants us to be is just that. He wants us to be changed from the inside out. 
So don't ever let your service to the Lord replace your heart of worship. Don't ever let your service to the Lord become more important than your relationship with the Lord. This morning as we worship, hundreds of cars going by the church somewhere. Many of those folks would claim to be believers who for some reason are traveling. They're out of church. They're just gone. That's, a, that's all right. We understand that. Some of those folks would be people who've slid out of church. Some would be those that were once faithful and hot in church and now have gone cold. Folks, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in your life before he does somebody else's. It's the old song, it's me, it's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And Amos had to call it out in the lives of those who were playing the game. Number four, we're prone to evaluate things on how they look and how they feel. Do you know that uh, David, King David, was not even invited to the initial interview? And then the prophet said, isn't there another son? And that's when David came onto the scene. God was looking for a man after his own heart. Uh, Brother Greg didn't. David blow it. He did. But David is not defined by his failure. He's defined by his faith. And so are you and so, so am I. If you're here today and you've dropped the ball, you've fumbled the ball, listen, don't stay there. Come to the foot of the cross and say, Lord, you died for me. I'm yours. Cleanse my heart. And the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, we can be forgiven and cleansed because of Jesus. You see, the test of worship is, are we going to worship in spirit and in truth? It's not the size of the crowd. It's not the songs that we sing. It's not, did I like the message or not? It's not, how much are we giving? It's not who has the biggest Sunday school class or the nicest space. It's not what someone else wore. It's not what someone else drove. The real test is, are we being drawn closer to God? And brothers and sisters, when we look at things based on our feelings, it's subject to change. We've done this a number of times, but I'm doing it again. I need three volunteers, okay? Britt, I want you to come, if you will, and help me, okay? Erica, will you come help me? Rob, will you come help me? And I want you three to stand side by side, okay? Just right here, Britt, you can get in the middle. You're gonna face me, face, face the crowd. That's good, right there, okay? I'm gonna give you three names. He, refer, he was referring to women because he talks about husbands. Ladies have feelings. Your name is feelings. Okay, what's your name? Okay, what's her name? All right, feelings. Your name, Britt, will be Faith. Yeah. That's a nice woman's name too, though, isn't it? Okay. When I point, you say. Okay. Rob, his name is Tall. Rob, your name's going to be Fact. Fact. 
Okay. Look that way. Turn. Okay, let's act like you guys are a train. And what's your name? Feelings are pulling the train. Okay? Here's where we get in trouble. When we base our salvation on how we feel, no wonder we ride a roller coaster. Our feelings change. Someone said they came to church and they, they, they felt all warm and fuzzy. And I told Renee, that's the way I feel when I take NyQuil. Our feelings change. Okay? Britt, who are you? Faith. Let's, let's mix some things up. Erica, you go to the back. Rob, you come to the front. You guys remember Rob's name? Okay. Where do we get what we believe? Where do we get facts from? Hold your Bible up near. How many of you believe that's the inspired living word of God? Amen. We don't need a another textbook when we come to preach the Word of God. We have one. The B-I-B-L-E, Bill, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. Amen? What's your name, Rob? Okay. Facts. Here's how we're saved, folks. The Bible tells me I'm a sinner. I'm separated from God. What's your name? By faith, I accept what God says. And you know what? Feelings follow. Feelings follow. If feelings, go ahead and come back to the front of the train. If feelings were the basis for my salvation, I would always feel pretty good on Sundays. Monday morning, I'm not so sure. Life hits me hard somewhere. I'm not saved by how I feel. I'm saved by the grace of God because God sent his son. The Bible says Jesus came to die for me. By faith, I place my trust in Christ, and feelings follow everything. If feelings could save us, here's what we would do. Oh, that person must really be sincere because they're crying. Well, what about old Don Bridge? He gave his life to Christ. He never shed one tear. Don's not saved whether he cries or not. Don's saved because of God's grace. Okay, let's give our uh, actors a good hand. You can be seated. Okay, let's close it up. Everything we do should flow out of worship. And if it's not, we miss the boat. We miss the boat. Most of you have seen our logo and, and uh, the, the blue diamond facing, moving the arrow, representing movement, but it all started turning up. If you turn that logo up to point up, Everything we do should focus on the Lord. Everything should begin there. And then you turn it into a 90-degree square. That's the corner of hope. That's Camden. That's us. That's the corner which God has put us on. But he didn't call us to just stay here. He's called us to be proactive. He's called us to move. He's called us to take the gospel to the world. The Bible says in Matthew 22, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this, to love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, hang all the law of the prophet. The first four deal with your relationship with God. The last six deal with your relationship with man. What are you saying, Brother Greg? That Jesus makes a difference. And Amos' judgment is... It's not looking like Jesus is making a difference. 
even though you're doing all this stuff. And number five, if our worship is polluted, the entire ministry is. The entire ministry is. Matthew chapter five, therefore if you bring your gift to the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there, go, to, go before the altar, go your way and be reconciled before and then come and offer your gift. That's what worship should look like. So we have to heed the word of Amos. Be careful. They went to Bethel, we go to church. We've gotta be careful. And then when you look at verses six through 13, Amos deals with things that God didn't allow and things that God did allow to get their attention. Look at verse seven. I withheld rain from you when there was still three months to the harvest. I made it rain on one city and withheld rain from another. Wednesday night, church time, it literally poured right about 6.30. I mean, it poured. And I said to Don Garrett, who lives just north, I said, Don, did you get that rain? And he goes, what rain? That's exactly what we're talking about. So in verses 6 through 13, he uses drought, he uses water, he uses blight, he uses disease, he uses pestilence, he uses judgment, and he uses death to get their attention. And then you get to verse 13. For behold, he who forms mountains and creates the wind who declares to a man what his thought is and makes the morning darkness, who treads the high places of the earth, the Lord God of hosts is his name. Is his name. Some have referred to verse 13 as a doxology, which in essence is a liturgical formula of praise to God. In 1988, Oral Hershiser was named the most valuable player of the World Series for the Dodgers. During the final game, the camera zoomed in on Oral Hershiser and it saw him mouthing words to something. Not long after the World Series win, he was invited to be a guest on the Johnny Carson show. For all of you young people, Johnny Carson used to be the 1130 talk show host when there was no other rival. He was it. When I was younger, I thought it was boring. When I got older, I thought he was funny. And he brought Oral Hershiser to recognize him for being the MVP of the World Series. And he said, hey, Oral, what's all the hoopla about you saying and wording wording?" mouthing words during the World Series when the camera was close up. He said, I wasn't speaking, I was singing. And Johnny Carson said, "Uh, what were you singing? He said, just a song of praise. And Johnny Carson on his show said, sing it for us. Oral Hershiser said, I'm not gonna sing. No, I'm not gonna sing. He goes, oh, you know how he can be. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd love to hear it. Sing it for us. And finally, Oral Herzheiser started to sing. Praise God from whom all blessings. 
things low. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And we always sing, Amen. That's the doxology. You could have heard a pin drop. And all of a sudden, one person in that studio starts clapping. And then another, then another, and then a standing ovation took place. Johnny Carson show, MVP of the World Series, because the MVP of the World Series recognized a most valuable God. Folks, everybody in the room this morning needs Jesus. I don't say that judgmental if you don't know him. I say that because we love you. Because we love you. Christians, like Oral Hershiser, can say, the only reason I've been blessed is because of the Lord God. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed. Do you know that we can praise the Lord in all circumstances? The good and the bad, the up and the down. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, we're gonna sing in just a second, and when we begin to sing, I'm gonna ask you to move. I'm gonna ask you to come to me on the floor, and in just a second, we're gonna have a time of prayer together. So as the song begins, as you move, here's why, here's why we're asking you to come, that you recognize you need Christ and you want to be saved. You say, Brother Greg, I couldn't do that in a crowd like this. Hey, your, your loved one will come with you, with you. There's folks that will stand beside you. Is God calling you today? If he is, will you come? Maybe you just want to come and pray as some did in the first service. You're always welcome to do that. Maybe there's something you've just been hanging on to that you've not been able to, to let go of. Maybe today's the day that you come and say, God, not only empty my hands and my mind, but God, empty my heart. I, I need a fresh start. So if you need to come, this invitation is for you today. God, do what I cannot do. Move in ways that I cannot, God. We're not looking for a pastor-pressured invitation. We're looking for a move of the Holy Spirit of God. Help us to not deny you in this minute, in this moment, in this hour. God, we may never get it again. So if the Lord's calling you, will you, will you come to Christ today? Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the sweet spirit in this place. Have your way. In Jesus' name I pray, will you come? Will you come? Let's sing together. Just as I am with the one
verse again sing the first verse I want you everybody that can to lift your voice as an anthem to the Lord when we get to that second part of that verse sing it as a plea to God I come guilty to be broken let's sing it out here we go heads and I'm going to ask this question are you in this service and God is just dealing with your heart I'm not going to call your name I just want to know who I can pray pray for but you're in this service you're not sure you're saved but God's doing something if that's you I want you to slip your hand up let me see it God's doing something, Brother Greg. He's doing something. Father, thank you for these folks today. Thank you for these that have come, these that are praying. We thank you for their sweet, soft hearts. Can we sing that one last time? I'm, I, that last part of that verse, I can... I come empty to be filled. 
sensitive to the Holy Spirit, okay? And I thank God for you. I thank God for your attention this morning. He is worthy, amen? He is worthy. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that you shall be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So that begins right now. We all just can't stay in a church building. God calls us to go. So if that's to the office tomorrow, if it's school, if it's family today, may God use you for his glory. Amen. God's faithful. He's faithful. Are all hearts clean? Everybody good? We have the fact, the Word of God. Have you placed your faith in Him? Okay. Always know that when we finish a service, you're welcome to approach me about your faith. Don't approach me about some goofy something. If it's about the Lord Jesus, about your relationship with Christ, you feel free to do that, okay? Amen? God is good. Let me remind those that are going to serve, serve Dayton, if you could meet with me immediately in the choir room, just for a few minutes, I promise you. Uh, just, I want to give you just a little detail as we prepare for two weeks from now, okay? So, God is good. Let's bow our heads. I'm going to ask Dr. Hoke if he'll close us in prayer, and we thank you for being here today. We have an opportunity to give uh, through the offering boxes or online, however God uses you. Thank you for your faithfulness.
our prayers he hears 